Hello, hello, and welcome back to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Swetman, and today we have a discussion of the new film from Nicole Holoff Center, which is called You Hurt My Feelings. Joining me today is friend of the show, Omaya Jones. Stick around. What kind of story were you thinking about, Hal? Something in a prison. Oh, all right. And uh, what about a prison interests you? Jail. For sure. Happy anniversary. We're so lucky. Yeah. So, Elliot tells me you're a writer. And you're the last one. It should have done better. There's lots of new voices. Refugees, cancer, murder, abuse. I'm an old voice. You're the best voice. Maybe if Dad hadn't just been verbally abusive, it would have been a bestseller. Don't say that. Your memoir is great. Your new book is great. How are you? Feeling a little off my game. The only reason she makes me a salad is because she wants me to lose weight, which is passive aggressive. No, I want you to be healthy. Doesn't can, matter. Can you shut up and keep talking? Don, you want to intervene here? We can do this at home. Maybe Milani looks tired. I'm aging. What are you, nuts? You get Botox? Well, I just get a little bit right here. You know, I can still move my eyebrows. Watch, watch. It's so expressive. <laughs> We'll go sneak up on him. Can you say anything? No, I can't. It feels too late. Oh my god. Oh my god. I think I'm gonna throw up. Right where we got, right here? No, I don't think I can. I can't. If I did say that, you took it out of context. Are you gonna gaslight me now? been lying to me this whole time. I wasn't lying. I was encouraging. That's not true. You were lying to be encouraging. You know what? As an actor, Mark isn't always great. So the times when you don't think he's good, what do you say to him? You are so fantastic. Really? <gasps> Mom, you're always expecting the best from me. You're welcome. Just need to do something meaningful. What you do is, is kind of meaningful. To who? No one. This whole world is falling apart, and this is what's consuming you. Mom, you're not helping. I love you. Oh, okay, well, then never mind. Welcome to Art House Garage. Today we are discussing the new film, You Hurt My Feelings, from director Nicole Holof Center. It's an A24 film, and it is in theaters now, so you can still catch this by the time you're listening to this. Uh, starring Julia Louis-Dreyfus, about a woman. Well, we'll get into the plot in just a minute. Today, joining me on the show is Omaya Jones, who has been on the show many times before. He's a curator of the Arkansas Times film series and uh, just someone I'm glad to call a friend. And I'm so happy to have him back on the show again today. Omaya, welcome back. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We actually saw this film together, which is fun. Yes. We went and saw it in person together. Um, this is a filmmaker that I've been interested in, but I actually haven't seen much of her work. Um, but it's, you know, someone who every time there's a new film, I'm like, oh, I think I would like that. I should watch it. And I just haven't caught up with one yet. I'm going to hopefully remedy that and, and catch up with some previous films going forward. But what other films have you seen by Nicole Holof Center? 
Um, so I've seen, I checked the letterbox and I've seen a good deal of them. Um, the first one I remember seeing was Walking and Talking, and I love that mm-hmm. film. Uh, it's just, a, you know, it's just about these two women who are best friends who are going apart because one of them is getting married. Mm-hmm. And it's very reminiscent of this film from the 70s called Girlfriends uh, mm-hmm. by a director named Claudia Will. Um, and then Friends with Money, I've seen that one, lovely and amazing. And then the episode, I guess she did uh, Mrs. Fletcher or some episodes of that, yes, seen yeah. that. And then most recently, Enough Said, which wasn't streaming for a long time, but then it showed up on Max and I jumped right on it because nice. it's Julie Louise Dreyfus and James Gandolfini. Yeah, that's that's the one in particular that I'm like, I can't believe I never watched it. Uh, I, I really love both of them and I have been meaning to catch up with it. Um, but yes, I have seen some of the TV she's directed. So Mrs. Fletcher, which by the way, that's one of those, you know, Max, formerly HBO Max, whatever. It's an HBO original show that you know last year when they were having to cut things for some business reason the whole art and commerce controversy they cut some shows that are like just not available anymore and most of them were like things i didn't really know much about but mrs fletcher was one of them and i loved that show and it is now completely unavailable to watch anywhere uh i checked the other day to try to find it so i guess you have to pirate it if you want to watch it but it's a really good show and she directed a couple episodes of it but then i actually looked on um, imdb there's some a lot of other tv things that are not listed on letterboxd uh, like she's done some episodes of parks and rec um and togetherness a show i really liked hbo show unbreakable kimmy schmidt orange is the new black so she's done a lot of tv things um in addition to the handful of films but um so i've seen her her work on television but never in film until now uh and we watched this film you hurt my feelings which a little a little plot detail i guess we can fill in and i think there's not much to spoil about this film except maybe the very ending which maybe we can hold kind of the the kind of final few moments here but um the film stars julie louise dreyfus she's a writer she has a happy marriage um to tobias menzies is the actor uh let me look up their names really quickly they're, I don't think they say each other's names that many times in the film. Julia Louise Drivers plays Beth, and Tobias Menzies plays Don. And then they have a, a grown son named Elliot, who he's played by Owen Teague, who is in Mrs. Fletcher, who is a really good actor. And um, basically, she's a writer. She has a new book that she's been working on for a long time. Very supportive husband, but then one day she overhears him talking to a close friend, and he's expressing that he doesn't think it's very good. And this is, you know, completely the opposite of what he's been saying, and she's devastated by this. And so it's basically like the emotional fallout of that and the relationships going forward is, is kind of what this film is about. Um, so I guess the first question is, did this film, did you connect with this? Did you, what did you appreciate about it? Yeah, I, mean, I think what I what I appreciate most about this film and Holtzner's other films is how low key they are mm-hmm. you know like they're not huge bombastic films they're about real yeah. characters and real situations and they are low stakes for the audience but very big stakes for the characters involved mm-hmm. and i appreciated the simpleness of it you know yeah. um it was also like it was at times funny mm-hmm. and clever um and it's just it's like a change of pace for a lot of things that that are being released in theaters right now especially this is the summer yeah sorry yeah i didn't mean to cut you off i wouldn't say the exact same thing is that i think a lot of films that are sort of in this this tone or this pace would try to be pushing the humor more 
um to to be marketable or something but this doesn't like it is funny it's got some funny things in it but it is if it's low-key and grounded and i really like that about it as well go on sorry i didn't mean to interrupt. yeah no and i think i mean i really like the performances too i didn't mm -hmm. like um tobias menzies has this look where he just looks really familiar and i guess it's because he was on game of thrones yeah and i just like didn't remember but uh it's funny because like i'm looking at the thumbnail right now and like shrunken down i thought it was jerry seinfeld <laughs> next to julie <laughs> yeah which like would have been a piece interesting piece of casting yeah. but yeah. um i also think it's just like a real concern you know like like knowing that the basis of this film was her thinking oh what if my partner doesn't like my work mm -hmm. and i think that's a real concern that people have and like how you balance your ego uh can you separate you know we talk about separating the art from the artist but can you separate yourself from your work and mm -hmm. you know what does that do to you mm -hmm. um and also like do you really want your partner to be honest with you about how they think about yeah. your work um you know, some writers have that relationship with their partners where they really are like their first editor essentially mm -hmm. But I don't think that works for everybody. Yeah. Completely yeah. agree. Yeah. I was going to maybe bring up, like, just on a personal note, like, I love movies. I love talking about movies on the podcast. That's not something my wife is that into. Like, we have separate interests. She watches movies with me sometimes, but often doesn't and doesn't always listen to the podcast. And that's fine, you know? And I, I think that if I was stressed about her always, like, getting her approval or something, um, and likewise, like the, the professional things she's working on are things I know nothing about. And so, um, yeah, honestly, I I see those kind of artistic relationships where like, yeah, maybe two writers edit each other, whatever. And I respect that, but like that would stress me out. And so, I, I but this film did maybe really reflect on that kind of aspect of my own relationship. I thought that was really uh, well written in that way that it that it kind of invites that kind of personal reflection. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I love that too. I'm, I think the thing I was going to say just about like what I like the most is just how surprisingly fertile that kind of thematic territory is that, uh, you know, you want to be completely supportive of, of your loved ones. You also want to be completely honest, but what if those things don't always line up exactly? And it's, it's in that main plot that, that I've just laid out, but there's also all these little side things that are kind of adjacent or getting at a similar idea in different ways. Like, the son expresses that he, um, his parents were so supportive that it was like blindly pushing him to do more than he was capable of kind of like, I think it's with swimming or something. He says that he, um, he was a decent swimmer, but not a great swimmer, but his mom was always like, Oh, you're the best swimmer. You're so great. And she put him in the advanced swim class and it was really embarrassing. It wasn't, didn't go well. And so like that kind of like blind, uh, uh, support is not always, the best thing um the sister character played by michaela watkins who is someone you've probably seen in a sitcom she's been in tons of things i know her from new girl most of all but she uh is really good as, as beth's sister here and her husband's an actor and they kind of reflect on what's that like for you do you always love his acting do you are you honest with him about it and there's some interesting conversations there but also her relationship to her own work and there's one client in particular that's where i think like on the surface think oh, oh you should just be honest all the time right but then she has a client who is honest to a fault maybe about it. she's she's an interior designer and she's trying to find uh, pieces for this client's home and 
it's just very difficult to please client and just immediately see the the light fixture she's trying to get and there's like no that's not it like over and over and it's like so disheartening <laughs> it's like well maybe just brutal honesty is not the best way either so i like the inclusion of that um her relationship with her mother who is again supportive but maybe doesn't really know much about the the book industry uh, there's all these different ways that it uh, gets at some 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 of the same ideas and i thought that was just a really cool way to write a film, and uh, I really appreciate that. Speaking of writing, I just remembered she also wrote one third of the film, The Last Duel. I have seen yes. that film, which uh, you know it does sort of the um, Rashomon thing of seeing the same scene from different perspectives, and she wrote like the woman's perspective in that film. I really like that film as well. Anyway, yeah, um, which was a weird. It was a weird fit at the time. Like yeah. before I saw it, I just thought it was a strange choice because I would not associate her with that kind of film. Yeah, like either a medieval film or like a, a film about maybe about sexual assault, which is kind of what it's about. Um, but yes, I really like this. And uh, yeah, again, that thematic stuff is something that really stuck with me too. And I kind of kept thinking about that. And we had a good discussion as we were leaving the, the theater. Um, but yeah, and it's just like, this kind of is what you were saying too, just like how low key it is. It's just like, you know, we, we never stop learning and growing in our lives and like, growing is often a painful thing it's just a quiet little movie about a woman growing kind of like later in her life moving from one place to a new place in her life and in her marriage that's that is hard and it's I, I, I what you said is perfect i love the way you said it like the stakes are much bigger for the characters than for the audience but like that's uh i found that a really satisfying thing to watch so yeah, yeah i i really really like this movie a lot yeah, and I, I love like what you said about how sort of all of the stories of everyone's characters, what they're going through, all sort of reinforce the main theme about mm -hmm. truth and honesty and relationships, right? And like what people are really asking for and what they really want mm -hmm. or what they really need. And there's no easy answers. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I remember, and you brought this up afterwards, was when uh, she says to her husband that he's a good therapist. Oh, yeah. And he says, like, how would you know that? Yeah. Right? yeah you've never seen me in, like yeah. she's obviously yeah. never been in the room for his therapy yeah. that's another big part of this is that he's a therapist and we see a lot of his therapy scenes um and he's just really questioning his skill level yeah although i'm not sure did we talk about this i'm not sure if he's supposed to be a good therapist or not i'm not sure either i did and you know you see a couple scenes and then like it, it slowly start to go downhill and what do you think about maybe his therapy skills because <laughs> i did effort three or four of those things like yeah maybe he's not that good or maybe he's just like hitting a lull in his career and like mm -hmm. you have to imagine he once was more passionate or more excited about things like in one of the early scenes he he brings up a the that must remind you of your relationship with your father and then she's like what are you talking about and he's like oh i was thinking of another client like that's pretty bad like, <laughs> yeah. you shouldn't do that um but but yeah that is such a fascinating thing like that's funny too because my wife has worked as a therapist she uh actually just started a new thing she's not doing that anymore but but i was like oh i'm sure she's so good at this job i don't actually know i've never been in the room but um i actually very much believe that she's very good at it but um yeah i, th I thought that was a great a great touch as well and then the ending which i'm not going to spoil but it also it kind of calls into question like what's the right thing to do in those kind of situations, I think in a way that I thought was clever and, and you're right. doesn't offer any easy answers, which I think is a good, a good thing about it as well. Um, Wait, do you have any... uh, Go ahead, we sorry. can, we can, we can cut this, but what, uh, 
when you say ending what part well let's what if we do a little spoiler talk at the end actually okay okay let's do that so we'll, we'll talk about some other things first and then we'll give a spoiler warning and talk about oh 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 o'reilly you need parts o'reilly auto parts has parts need them fast we've got fast no matter what you need we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it product availability just one part that makes o'reilly stand apart the professional parts people oh 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 o'reilly auto parts my next question for you was going to be are there any favorite aspects of the filmmaking we kind of maybe touched on that a little bit but anything um performances or or filmmaking wise that you thought were really good yeah i mean it's definitely the writing you know hmm. um it's, it's the writing and the depth of character uh even the son is interesting and yeah. I, i'd seen him in um i guess you i see i saw him in mrs fletcher mm -hmm. and i had heard him in, in an interview on a, another podcast recently as well and so i didn't i guess i didn't even initially realize he was talking about this particular film hmm. but um i'm trying to think of like a, a favorite aspect it's definitely just like the writing this like yeah. the, the premise and the exploration of the premise were so interesting um, yeah and i think it's uh, along with the writing it's it's the fact that it it hits the same themes over and over without feeling like okay now we're just gonna hit the laundry list of it feels organic i guess is what i'm trying to say because it, it sounds like every character has a similar thing that could feel a little bit like rote or something but it doesn't i thought it felt really organic in the way it was put together i'm gonna see if owen teague's in anything else because he really is he's great at mrs fletcher and he's really good at this oh he's in it and it chapter two patrick hox patrick hoxtetter and then his character in the second one this may be a spoiler for it character in the second one is called dead hoxtetter so apparently he doesn't survive the first one um that's his his biggest thing he's in black mirror in the show bloodline um montana story i think i almost watched that i didn't it because i think he's the main it's him and Haley Lee richardson who i also love and i almost watched that it's like a kind of a neo-western relationship drama um that looked really good and i didn't i just didn't see it but he is i think he's he's really kind of uh his career is taking off a little bit i think and and i'm excited about that because i think he's great that's good um but yeah i thought he was really good as well and yeah you get you get surprising depth for our, even the side characters uh and like so we should mention too the the, the brother-in-law character who's also the friend that he's talking to the husband's talking to when he uh divulges that he doesn't like the book is um he's the guy from succession uh let me look up his name really quickly he plays stewie in succession and his real name is arian uh moayed plays mark in this and it's such a different character from if you've been watching succession you know he's like everyone in that show has such like energy and bravado and in this he's like very insecure actor um and yeah he it was good because i haven't seen him anything else and i was like oh he really does have range it was good um i should mention to uh david cross and amber tamblin who we we googled this after the movie they're married in real life but in the film they play a couple that's in therapy with him and they're really funny um again without like being like a big broad comedic scene like they're they're funny and kind of the low-key kind of um timbre of this film but yeah, I thought they were yeah. great too. So yeah, just really good performances across the board. Julia Louis Dreyfus, 
incredible. And I, I've been watching Veep recently. My wife and I rewatched Veep and such a different <laughs> uh, energy as well, obviously from that show, if you've ever seen it. Um, and this is like very low key and grounded and that show is just a quip a minute and, and uh, all of that. But yeah, she's so good. Tobias Menzies, I think was, was great as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would say the other thing that I like is, and several of her films do this, but they sort of creep around the issue of class. I mean, Friends with Money is explicitly mm. about class. But here, like the scene between like her mother when they're at, they take her mom to the doctor mm. and sort of um, just like the idea that your doctor would, would start offering a concierge service. So you have to pay yeah. for the right to pay to your doctor to be your doctor. Um, and so like it, it, and even like the fact that you're an interior designer and like how much mm. is this woman spending on like interior decoration of her house? Yeah. And sort of like it. This film doesn't really go into that explicitly, but it's sort of around the edges of that. Mm-hmm. And like class in that way is is something that I think a lot of films, a lot of American films don't really explore. Yeah, um, interesting. And like, and to the extent that we do see it explored at all, it's often in something like Parasite, which is like really extreme mm-hmm. and bombastic mm-hmm. and how it depicts a class divide. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I probably, like I picked up on those little things, but I wouldn't have without the context of seeing any of her other films like you have i didn't you know draw that through line so i appreciate you bringing that up that's really interesting um yeah that's cool uh you mentioned the the uh the doctor scene any other favorite moments or favorite scenes or anything from this uh you know what was sweet was when they were at the they that the clothing donation mm-hmm. and they got their mom's shirt back like that yeah, was a yeah, sweet yeah. moment. Yeah. <laughs> sweet, yeah. The funny thing, they kind of uh, shame their mom in a way to giving some clothes to the homeless. And then she is like, oh, I didn't want to give that shirt away. And so they kind of sneak it back, yeah. which is a funny little Even though thing. she's never worn it and never will wear it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what a funny thing. Uh, and maybe somehow that's related to like, you know, keeping your loved ones happy, even when you feel like you know better or something. Uh, that's an interesting little touch. Um scene i really like is it is so it's relation with her relationship with her mother so like what i like about this film too is that obviously there's a big rift in their marriage when she hears overhears this and going into this movie not knowing what what to expect like are they going to divorce over this like who knows but I, i really like that we kind of see them walk through how they're feeling about it and they have some meaningful conversations and you really do feel like they come out the other side having learn something about each other, about themselves, about their relationship. Um, and then you kind of see it put into practice in a sort of indirect way as well. Like her mother has been saying, uh, your, your old agent didn't do well enough with your first book. Like your, your book should have done better. And like, that's her way of being supportive. And, but, but you can tell Beth is kind of annoyed by that when her mother says it early in the film, but then after they've gone through this and she's kind of come out the other side and maybe gone through some amount of growth, her mom says that again, and she pushes back against it. And she says, How, I didn't know you were a, an expert on book marketing, mom. Like, what are, you, what are you even talking about? And, you know, maybe that wasn't the kindest thing of her to do. But um, she spoke her mind in a way. And I think because of, you know, what she's learned about this whole, like, people-pleasing nature that is, is so common in families that um, she kind of, doesn't want to stand for it in that moment I thought that was cool like we see kind of before and after in the way this has kind of affected her a little bit but yeah yeah but at the end she does get a new agent 
right? Yes. And, yeah. and I think that's yeah. important because, you know, we don't know whether or not the book is actually good. Yeah. It's just that her husband doesn't like it. Her old agent probably didn't like it and was probably not the, and so was probably not the best advocate for it. But what she's able to do then is find somebody that does believe in the project yeah. and is willing to advocate for it. So, you know, you know, I, that to me is also interesting just in that, like the, the lesson there is like, not everybody has to like everything and it's okay if your mm -hmm. spouse doesn't like your work, mm -hmm. because as long as somebody out there does, and they're willing to be your, um, your, they're willing to fight for you. They're willing to be at your advocate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. I think that's great. Yeah. Only other favorite moments I was going to mention were those therapy scenes, which you've already kind of talked about. Um, but yeah, you can, you can understand why he would question a few different unhappy clients. It's kind of what we see uh, in different ways. And so you can see why he'd be questioning his, his own uh, abilities there. But uh, yeah, I really like this film. I think um, definitely excited to watch more of Hall of Center's work and, uh, yeah, I, I kind of will see anything with Julia Louis Dreyfus in it, and so that was that was one of my main draws to this. But I'm really glad that I've that I've watched this film. Yeah, yeah. I highly recommend people check out Friends with Money. It's streaming. It's on. Um, it was on Netflix when I looked. Yeah, I think it was just now. Too. So, um, and I, I can't. I mean, I I just really love that film, you know, and it's just the way it deals with class issues, particularly. So like, I don't think we talked about the premise of Friends with Money, but essentially no, it, it is that. Jennifer Anderson plays this character who is sort of down on her luck. She's got out of a bad relationship or well, I don't I guess for her perspective, it wasn't necessarily bad, but she got out of a relationship and she was a teacher and she quit that. And now she's kind of just like smokes pot. She cleans houses on the side, but all of her friends are really successful and have money. Some of them were born with it. Some of their, a couple of her friends as a couple, the, the wife is played by Catherine Keener. Um, they're successful screenwriters. And they kind of like take her around and invite her to stuff. They, it seems like they've been friends for a long time, um, but also friends before they were rich and she's mm. not rich. Yeah. And one of the things they talk about is like, like one of the couples they talk about, why don't they just give her money? Should they do that? You know? Um, yeah. And really I think, yeah. yeah, it's, and it's, it's weird. Cause like, I feel like I'm at the age where I have friends where you can kind of guess at people's yeah. economic situation. You don't mm. really know. Um, but you, you wonder about some of that stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's totally true. And it's the kind of thing that we like are afraid to talk about. It's like a little taboo. Talk about how much money your friends make. Yeah. That's really interesting. Maybe I should watch that and we should have another podcast because that sounds really interesting. Or like, you know, I've had friends before and you like, you have known them for a while and then you see their house and be like, wow, their house is huge. I had no idea yeah. they had this much money. Like, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. That's just a funny, a funny thing about American class. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we can wrap up there and we'll do our spoiler talk in a minute, but go see You Hurt My Feelings in theaters, and then I'm sure it will stream later this year if you don't catch it in theaters or if it's not playing in your area, but uh, so we both recommend it really highly, yeah. I've realized more and more just like a nice low-key indie drama is really my speed. I thought this was a really good uh, version of that, and so I'm I'm a big fan of this, yeah. Yeah, Any anything else you want to say about You Hurt My Feelings? I just want everybody to see it. I think it's important to support films uh, at this budget range because we don't get a ton of them in theaters. Yeah, you know? it's true. And I, and I and I want it to succeed. Yeah. You know, I know like the name A24 carries a certain 
hopefully marketing appeal to people. Um, but, but yeah, I, I hope people will see it as well and support this. And I uh, forgot it was an A24 film. Yeah. I only really thought about that because I was researching it ahead of like, what am I going to see this year? And maybe talk about the podcast, A24 things I'm generally pretty interested in. And then I looked into this like, Oh yeah, that looks great. So yeah. But it, it, it's not like, you know, it's not midsummer (laughs) or whatever. I feel like, wasn't wasn't the thing was like what they what used to do is take a film market it as a horror film regardless of whether or not it was actually a horror <laughs> film and then do this bait and switch wasn't that the rap on a24 like i don't know i, I feel like there are a now? few things like the lighthouse sort of horror not really but they it was marketed as like pretty scary i think or like um there was another one that i thought of that not exactly horror like the green knight maybe Mm-hmm. people thought it would be more of an action adventure thing and it's not at all um yeah that's interesting uh it comes at night which i mean i guess is sort of a horror film but it's like so low-key that there's not much scary in it i'll be honest i actually haven't seen that film but that's my understanding of what i've heard people say about it oh, wait, um, which one you have this uh it comes at night oh okay i i blanked i thought you were still talking about the green knight i was like i thought you saw that <laughs> i love the green knight yeah i've yeah. seen that a few times um yeah that's interesting or like a ghost story another dave eggers one uh is you know seems like it would be a horror movie just based on that title but isn't so yeah maybe that's their maybe that's their whole shtick i don't know but no they have quite a quite a breadth of different things in their filmography yeah. But anyway yeah there you go you hurt my feelings uh a great title too i think it's a nice a nice little title for a film like this anywho we can wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, let me pull up my credits really quick. But thanks, Omaya, for being here. Really appreciate you always coming on the show. And this time we got to see the movie together. That was nice. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was great. You're so welcome. And uh, really quickly, I'll preview what's coming up on the show. My rough plans, anyway. Um, let me pull that up briefly. And uh, so next time... The new Wes Anderson, I think, is what I'm going to discuss. Asteroid City is going to be coming out. Um, and then also the same day or the same week, Past Lives, another A24 film, is one that I've been really excited to watch. Haven't seen it yet, but it looks great. And so I think I'll do Asteroid City and then Past Lives beyond that. After that, probably getting back to the Darren Aronofsky series. Uh, the next one will be Black Swan and Requiem for a Dream. And then I have plans to talk about, again, A24. I'm not planning this, but Talk To Me is a horror movie. I have a, a new friend who's a big horror fan, and like that's one that I've been excited to see. And uh, her name's Jessica Scott, so we're planning to talk about that one. And then after that, it'll probably be the final Aronofsky uh, film episode, which will be Mother and Noah. The spiritual, the spiritual suffering is the topic of that episode. So that should be good. So that's teasing what's coming forward. Uh, and with that, thank you so much for listening to Art House Garage. We have a few years' worth of episodes now. You can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support Art House Garage, become a patron over at patreon.com slash arthousegarage or find a link in the show notes. You can also buy an Art House Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com slash shop. If you want to support us without spending any money, leave a rating or review in your podcast app. And that is very helpful. Stay in the loop about Art House Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter 
at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, or you can email me directly, andrew at arthousegarage.com. And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free. Um, let's talk spoilers. So if you haven't watched the film, then tune out. We're going to talk about just the very ending. Um, so really there's only two things in that last bit that I didn't want to spoil. One is that the son finishes his screenplay and lets them read it. And that's kind of how I love that it ends with them sitting next to each other. And it's like, now that they've been through all of this and it's been a year, I like a year has passed. And so some time has passed. Um, and then the, I guess the question is like, how are they going to respond to this? And then, you know, that's the end of the movie. Are they going to be brutally honest that they don't think it's good? Or are they going to be blindly supportive? Like, what do you do? You know, it kind of opens up like this is an ongoing thing. You know, I thought that was a cool way that it ends. But the thing that I was talking about earlier is his surgery. So he, the husband, um, I'm not sure what exactly kind of surgery it was. Do you know, like some sort of just got like like some Botox or something like that, or it's like a facelift or something to get rid of some of the wrinkles. Yeah. So earlier in the film, we see him looking in the mirror and kind of like tugging at his skin and thinking, "Wow, I'm looking old." And he's he makes a comment about like women get Botox, but it's like weird if men do it and like men aren't allowed to be self conscious about the way they look or some some little comment like that. And then later he says he alludes that he's going to do something, but we don't know what's related to that. Um, and, and also she's honest with him there too, because he says, do you think I'm totally crazy? And she's like a little bit. Yeah, but I support you. Uh, that's a cool way to like, I don't have to be on board to support you kind of thing. Um, and then, but we don't still don't know what he's talking about. But then at the very end, he, she comes home and he's, she's been at a book reading a or play. something. A play. A play. That's right. It's been at her, her brother-in-law's play. And he wasn't there. She says he's not feeling well or something. He can get home and he has like big scars and like looking rough. Um, and so the way I read it, so she, he's like, do I look terrible? And uh, he's like, I know it looks bad now, but like, it's going to look good. Right. And she's like, yeah, yeah, it's going to look good. Like whatever. And she's supportive, but then she hugs him and the face she makes that he doesn't see, like she just makes it kind of towards the camera is one of like, Ooh, I don't know. Like, I really, I'm not sure about this. So I read that as like, she really doesn't like it, but she's going to be supportive and maybe not honest and kind of flipping the script to where he was like, he was supporting her book, but wasn't honest about it. So I feel like it put her in a position that now she's maybe lying a little bit. Uh, and I don't know, maybe is that what you felt about it? Yeah, no, I think that's a good interpretation. I guess I didn't really think about it that hard but i like that and i think yeah like flipping the script and sort of putting her in his position is um is funny you know it's like one of those subtly funny moments uh i would say like on the notion of like his vanity essentially was right what it is right there's this moment another one of her films called lovely and amazing where it's like about like two or three sisters and one of them hooks up with uh i think he's a musician but they have this scene where after they have sex, he's basically sitting in the mirror and she asks him to critique her body. And mm-hmm. so I feel like that's another thing that runs through her films are just people talking about openly about their bodies and uh, and what they perceive as their imperfections openly. 
That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, maybe I'm reading too much into that whole moment, but like, no, I don't. I don't think you are. I don't <laughs> think I was reading enough into it. Because I mean, really, you might come away from the, like the main setup and think, okay, wow, I can't believe he lied in that way. Like he shouldn't do what he did. But then in a way, now she's doing that too, and it just calls that all into question. Uh, and again, no easy answers. I think is. But do you think he shouldn't have? I. I don't know. I I guess let's let's talk about that. I guess I feel like he there's a way that he can say, you know, I don't understand this book or I, it's not my thing, but I support you. And he didn't do that. He said, it's great. I love it, you know, repeatedly. And then talk to a friend about it. So maybe he like shouldn't have been, I, I don't know, but you need to have friends that you can be open and honest with, right. About things. Maybe that's a job of a therapist. I don't know. Not a, well, a, a, but I feel like it's incumbent upon where he went wrong. And I'm glad he did this because if he had, he, I'm glad he went wrong in this way because had he done what he should have done, there wouldn't have been a film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like you just kind of like have to suss out, dude, what what the person wants from you. Because mm -hmm. I and I feel like especially with writers, you'll have somebody that you trust um, to give you feedback on a draft, mm -hmm. and then from other people, maybe you just want them to say that they love it. You don't yeah. want honest feedback, mm -hmm. but I guess like in actual the, the process of actually writing several drafts, you want honest feedback. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then it's incumbent upon him to be honest about how he actually yeah. feels about it. And then it's not her job necessarily to take all of that criticism and act on all of it. You know, she still has to sort of sort through it and decide what she agrees with and what she doesn't fight for the stuff that she wants to keep mm -hmm. in or not or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think in like in that situation, you want honesty, right? Because yeah. And coming from it from the point of view uh, as somebody who is thinking like, well, I'm trying to create something to put out in the world. At this point, everything is changeable. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like you've already published the book, yeah, and you're asking for feedback. So I, I think he fucked up. Yeah, I think so too. I think <laughs> I think you're right that he, because uh, I don't know. I'm thinking about like if I was in that situation where, okay, say my wife is writing a, a novel, which or, or like doing something creative. I feel like because I'm so close to this person, I can't be, not that I like feel like I can't be honest. Like I will just think, I will honestly think it's good no matter what. Like I, I will have blinders on to whether it's good or not in a way. So like, then it would be really insidious for me to like go off the side and say, actually, I think it's not that good. Or I don't know. But yeah, I think you're right that if, because it wasn't ongoing because she says, like, he told me a thousand times he loved it, you know, and like was reading all the drafts and all of that. Um, I think that, yeah, I think he did the wrong thing, it, especially, I mean, if he really felt that way, like there's a way to tell her like, hey, over time, I'm not not so sure about the direction of this or like I'm having some doubts about these things or something, you know, rather than holding that inside and then letting it creep out when you think you're not being listened to but yeah i think i think he did do the wrong thing but do i then think that she's wrong for not being honest about the way his face looks no because he can't change that he see that's different that. this is different because at that point he's already done yeah. it and there's yeah. nothing you can do about it yeah maybe you're right i don't know um yeah really i was gonna say something else about the whole situation too i can't think now yeah, I think it's 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 provocative. It's like low key provocative in in those kind of little interpersonal relationship things. So yeah, again, recommend the film.